Before we go with the latest SBL shoot around, we take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Bright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to episode 19 now of SBR Shootaround and all of a sudden we're right at the business end of the West Coast Classic for a long time, even when we started this show for 2020, we didn't know if we'd have a competition, now we've had nine weeks of it and we couldn't have had a, had a more exciting finish to the regular season. We had two basically elimination games on Saturday night which we'll get to on this show to determine who our top four teams are and now... We've got the semi-finals on, on Friday night, the grand final on Sunday night, and we'll go through all of that on SBL Shootaround this week. We'll also run a report card over the teams that didn't make the finals, and we've got a very special guest, a man who will be involved in the finals as a coach, and a man who was involved in the Sydney Olympic Games as well, representing his country alongside the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. So plenty for us to get through on this show about SBL Shootaround. I'm Chris Pike, but... The man that you've all tuned in for, Ben Etridge. Thanks for joining me. And what an amazing week it's been in the West Coast Classic. You know, the, the the final crescendo of the regular season. You know, teams coming right down to the wire. Every game had a little bit of um, emphasis on it. Um, some good results for, for a few teams and some heartbreak for another. And um, I don't think we could have asked for anything better 10 weeks ago when we were getting set to tip off. Absolutely not. And we'll get to it in a minute. But not only did we have two elimination games on Saturday night to determine the last two spots in the finals, but... Both of those games went down to the very last shot. The two teams that were trying to win the game missed a shot on the buzzer in, in, in both of them, and that's what cost them a final spot. You, you really just couldn't ask for more than that. And what we've seen is we had guys who maybe had it been a fully-fledged season, there would have been different people taking those shots and, and oh. different people on the floor. So, again, one of those bonuses that we've said about the West Coast Classic and why a little mini-tournament like this at this time of the year when the, when the regular season is finished for those guys that um, maybe haven't got the court time or the opportunities, it's just so important in their development to maybe try and retain this this format to give those guys the opportunities to, to make our league stronger. So, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant and, and looking forward to having a chat about those games. Yeah, before we get to get into that in a bit more detail, Ben, our special guest for this week, a man that you butted heads against the last couple of years, had some great battles when he was he was coaching up up against you. He's he's already a two time SBL Coach of the Year. He's a a Sydney Olympian, having represented Canada at the Olympic Games, where, like I said, he was teammates of of Steve Nash, new Brooklyn coach in the NBA. Gee, there's plenty for us to cover with with Dave later on. Yeah, and again, he's he's an absolute brilliant addition to our league. Very similar to when we had Sam Oatman come yeah. in and, and and coach Lakeside as well. Just that international experience. Um, in, in Australia, we tend to fall into the same style of play, very much determined by our national programs and our state programs. And as coaches want to progress through those channels they have to show that they are following those guidelines so you see a lot of similar defenses and a lot of similar um, offenses and and that sort of thing so to have someone like dave come in and really you know revamp how lakeside play and and play a, a really up tempo and free-flowing and three-point shooting mm-hmm. style of play as we've seen 
quality of imports that he's able to get out and um, he's a he's a, a brilliant basketball mind and, and his teams are always very well prepared and, and the style of play that he brings in in at Lakeside is, is something that's a little bit different to everyone else and, and it's a, it's always been a great challenge to go up against him so looking forward to having a chat to Dave about his journey and, and where he's come from and, and what he's thinking of the West Coast Classic and, and what he thinks of Perth Australia as a as a whole yeah, Absolutely they they didn't quite get to play in a grand final against you but they went went very close to to joining you the last two years in their in their playoff runs so you would have done a lot of time looking very closely at how they played how different of a team were they to play against than than somebody who i guess is like you said come through the the wa basketball system to, to coach against Oh, immensely. And I guess it comes down to, you know, the, the style of players that they have there. They don't have that traditional big. It's always been a, a Jared Prue, who's mm-hmm. not your traditional low post scorer. So um, a lot of four guards on the floor, a lot of spreading you out and stretching you out and, and playing, you know, Joby Wall and, and uh, Eisenbarger last year were, were almost unstoppable in their pick and roll. And you don't yeah. normally see that um, point guard and, and wing player in a pick and roll, which is what he used. And, and this year, similarly with, with Jay Bowie, they've used Jay as that sort of stretch big and, and and the, those younger Lakeside boys have really bought into that style. So, look, it's very uh, very intense and very up-tempo, and it's always been a fun game, and I, I'm not quite sure what the head-to-head record is, but, look, it's, they've always been great battles, and we've enjoyed it very much. He, he might know. We can ask him later on. So, looking forward to speaking to Dave Daniels later on. SBL shoot around. Now, let's get... Let's have a look now at how this season, season finished up, and it was just such a thrilling finish, and... The final four was determined on Saturday night, but as we spoke about last week, it there needed to be a domino to fall on Friday night. The lone game on Friday was Willerton against Coburn. Willerton had to win that game to then set up the do-or-die game the next night against Joondalup. They did that. So that meant on Saturday night, the Tigers and the Wolves played each other, and simply who won that, whoever won that game would make the finals, and it ended up an amazing finish with Damien Scott taking a shot on the buzzer to, to win the game, and... It didn't quite fall, but I don't think you could have asked for anyone else to take that shot if you're the Tigers. I haven't seen the, the vision of the place. I'm not sure how how it was drawn up and how it was run, but if you were gonna if you were gonna have anybody shooting for your season, I think you would have been pretty happy if it was if it was Damien Scott, wouldn't you, Ben? Yeah, look, the ascension that Damien Scott's made this year, um, in, in seasons past, those shots might have fallen to um, a Jay Bowie or a Ray Turner or even a, a Kyle Armour. So, you know, that, that's what he's been afforded in the West Coast Classic and the development of him as a leader has been huge. And look, maybe, you know, as you see there, you know, Connor Mitchelton, again, another one who's who's stepped up and, and played big in that game. So, yeah, just great to see. And, and Damo's put that team on his shoulders and, and carried him to within a, a hair's breadth of a finals appearance. And uh, maybe also fitting that the, the the Wolves get through and, and get a chance to play finals basketball in, in a bit of a transition year for them as well. Yeah, yeah. And then the other game that was an elimination game, this one wasn't quite as simple. The, the Redbacks and the Lightning played at Lakeside. It wasn't as simple as whoever won the game made the finals. So the Lightning had to beat the Redbacks by 14 or more points. So both teams were fully aware of that going into the game. Um, and as it, as it turned out, it's just remarkable how these things happen. Um Last possession of the game, and the Lightning were 15 points in front. They had the ball at the side. Um, they couldn't get the ball in. They turned it over after a timeout. So the Redbacks had the last shot. Marshall Nelson drove to the basket, dished it out to Ezra Nakora, who was wide open. But his shot didn't fall. Lakeside was able to get the defensive rebound, and they held on for the 15-point win, which was which was basically a one-point win, and that was enough for them to get into the into the top four. It's amazing that if that shot falls, the Redbacks make it, it misses, and the Lakeside Lightning made it. 
Yeah, and as you said along, it's a bit like tournament basketball. You know, you're not getting those two times to play each other, and and your your for and against does does come into come into play, and and uh, for a finals to come down to that um, that points margin is is exactly what you want. You know, it's um, the season's on the line, and that's why we play the game of basketball. The the way the ball bounces is is sometimes you know feast or famine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just remarkable that we can play for nine weeks, and it comes down to to two shots to determine who finishes third and fourth and who misses out on finals altogether. So what that means is that the Warwick Senators ended up finishing on top and I think I think we both agree that it's very hard to see them not winning. It's going to take something special to knock them off this, this weekend. The Perry Lakes Hawks in second, the Joondalup Wolves in third and then the Lakeside Lightning in fourth. So that means the semifinals is the Senators against the Lightning on Friday night at Warwick Stadium and the Hawks against the Wolves at Bendat Basketball Centre also on, on Friday night. Home court advantage as well, Ben. Obviously, the Senators and and the Hawks did a lot of great work to to earn the home court advantage, and now they'll play the semifinals at Warwick Stadium and Bendat Basketball Centre on Friday. As a result, how big is that for for those two teams? Yeah, it's massive, and I think that's why you you put in the hard yards early to 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 set yourself up for those home finals. It's a chance to play in front of your home crowd, and you know your change rooms the same, and your your journey to the game, your routine all stays the same. So yeah, look for for both the the Senators and the Hawks. I think that's going to be a massive advantage for them. And you know, once again, should the Hawks win through with the grand final being there, that's a that's another anomaly within our league that you know they they do get to play the, a one off grand final on their home court as well. So, but yeah, massive advantage for for both those teams. I did want to ask you about that. When you play Perry Lakes in a grand final at Bendat, do you feel like they do have some sort of an, an advantage given us their, their home floor? Given the the nature of the game and the fact that the the setup for the grand final is a bit different, so depending on where you finish, whether you get to sit, they get to sit on their home bench yep, or sure. not, and yep. it is a it's a much bigger crowd. Um, there's a much much bigger atmosphere, and the the, the intros are all that. It's probably not so much. Um, all the little things because the game is so different. You know, even parking for the game, it's mm-hmm. it's different. The o- the only advantage I would say is just that angled back wall. Like I, I don't yep. know why a yep. basketball stadium was built with a, a wall that angled off at forty five degrees. It just to me that just seems really weird. So look, that's probably the only advantage they get. But both teams, you know, have to get to shoot at it for only one one of the halves. And we've definitely had had a couple of games in there where we've shot really well going that way. So you know, you 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 do get your chance to go in and shoot around at the stadium. Um, during the week in the lead up, but you, you know you're not getting to do it day in day out. So that's probably the only thing is just that angled wall at the back, which tends to be you know not the greatest for for shooters. So, um, but yeah, rest of the game uh, when it gets to that point, uh, it's probably as as different for them as it is for for anyone else walking in there to play. Absolutely. Um, having a look across both the women's and the men's league, and we had Perry Lakes, Perry Lakes Joondalup, and the Warwick Senators all making making the finals. Do you see those three clubs as the powerhouse? Are they is there a fair gap between those three clubs and and the rest in overall in in the SBL competition right now? Do, is that how you see it? Um, oh, look, yes and no. Again, teams go through transitions and, and you go through different things. And um, a lot of the time, it can just be, you know, you've got a couple of good kids in different age groups that tend to drag everyone through. And, and then that sort of trickles through into your, into your SBL programs when those guys come in. So, look, you know, we've, there's probably been diff, different teams come up in, in the last 10 or so years that um, have, have made a run. And then, again, it's all it's all determined by, you know, where your club's at and, and 
what's happening off the court more than anything um, because you, as much as you want to try and keep a core group of guys together or girls together, uh, sometimes the math just doesn't work or players are off because they feel that something's a bit better in a, a bit better situation or things like that. So, look, right now, I think those those teams are, are doing very, very well. But, you know, we sort of know that the tides can turn very, very quickly and, and before you know it, there's a, a couple other teams that have sort of popped up and, and started, starting to have success because they've been putting in the work um, behind the scenes for, for three or four years, which is generally sort of how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing I wanted to discuss, and this is this is your idea to discuss as well. So, looking forward to getting your thoughts on it. The Warwick Senators clearly they're the they have have been the dominant team of the last nine weeks. They now enter the finals on a twelve game winning streak, and they've just been blowing teams off the court in recent weeks. And you have a look at their lineup, and it includes Cody Ellis, Caleb Davis. Wani Swacker, Lobaluk, Ash Litterick, Justin King, Corbin Rowe, Norm Maniang, Ethan Elliott, Jaith Waits, you know, even Tom Witts. Ali Riak has been there for a lot of the season before he went off to college. I don't think they would have had any anyone different in there for the SBL season. That is as good of an SBL squad as you can just about put together. Yeah, extremely deep, uh, balanced at every position. Um, guys that can slide up and, and slide down, as we've seen, you know, Justin King can slide anywhere from one, two, and three. Cody Ellis can two, three, four. Caleb Davis, four, five. Man Yang could, you know, two, three, four. So they've got guys that sort of play all over the floor. Good shooting. A um, couple of couple of cool heads out there in their in point guard and and young Ethan Elliott and, and mm. you know, Caleb Davis is a is an NBL sort of quality talent. And then Wani Swaka, you know, he could be anything in in two or three years' time. So very well balanced and. And, um, and has had a, an amazing season for the for the Warwick Senators. Now we've had an inc- we've been incredibly lucky with the the caliber of guests we've been able to have on SBL Shootaround over the last eighteen weeks as well. Ben and some of the names that spring to mind: Mark Worthington, Aaron Traher, Andrew Vlahov, Greg Hire, Jeff Anderson, James Fitch, Gavin Field, Steph Salinas, Jared Pro, Wayne Creek, Bryn Jones, Wayne Simmons, Michael Farrell, Ryan Gardner. That's an it's an incredible list when you put it down on paper. Now, if we if we picked out twelve out of that, how would they go against this Warwick Senators team? Oh, look, I think um, we we've been as you say been very very lucky, um, especially to have people of the the caliber of Traher and Vlahov and then Worthington, given their international pedigrees and then imports like Jeff Anderson and, and James Fitch uh, jumping on board as well. So look, I think it would be a, a very very tough game. There's there's one name that we've missed missed on that list as well. Not sure um, why he wasn't on there, but um, you know when I sat down and looked at this, I, the first name I wrote down was was CJ Jackson. Um, as the point guard, of course, and yeah, and then I just I just fitted everyone around him. So if you were to start off with you know, a starting five of CJ Jackson, Aaron Traher, uh, Andrew Vlahov at the three, remembering that's where he played in the SBL, Mark Worthington, and then either Prue or Creek as your as your five, mm-hmm. uh, all time rebounder, all time shot block. That that would be as good of a starting five that would ever have played in the SBL. And then you know your first cabs off the rank are. You know, Jeff Anderson, James Fitch, and probably Gavin Field. I think you're gonna, you'd be hard pressed for the Warwick Senators to 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 stop those guys. Absolutely, but it's a lot of fun to think about, isn't it? Because that Senators team is so exciting to watch, and I think I think that team of guests would play a pretty exciting brand of basketball as well. I mentioned last week that I wouldn't be surprised if the Senators game last week against Rockingham would be a hundred plus points apiece. This, if these two teams played, it'd be a hundred plus points apiece too. 
Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And again, just the shooting that um, the Senators can put on the floor. I mean, all five guys can can, can hit the three ball. that stretch them out and, and, and make them play, but perhaps a little bit too big and physical on the... Uh, on the uh, SBL shoot-around All-Star 5. Possibly, but it's a great discussion point, so I'm glad we got to that, and that that's wraps up our first segment. When we come back, we'll have a look at all of the results from Round 9 in the West Coast Classic, and of course, later on, we'll be speaking to the Lakeside Lightning head coach, Dave Daniels, and we'll also run a report card through all of the teams that didn't make the finals, and then give our finals preview and our predictions for this weekend here on SBL Shoot-Around. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around. Round nine in the West Coast Classic, the last round of the competition before the finals. And there was the one game on Friday night, and it was, a, it was an entertaining game. The Coburn Cougars certainly didn't hand the Wilton Tigers anything, but in the end, Wilton just had too much to play for. They were playing to keep their season alive, and they got the job done, 81 to 74. Yeah, I followed this one really closely on, uh, on the live stats, and... Um, you know, saw that the Tigers sort of had a handle on it. Gav sort of stepped things up in that second half and and sort of got it back a bit closer than than perhaps it was, but sort of, yeah, had that feeling all along that the Tigers were playing for a bit too much and they knew what was on the line and um, it was good to see them get the win and and set up the Super Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on to Saturday, a couple of games that didn't have any finals implications. First up, the Geraldton Buccaneers. And good to see some of their young guys really stepping up here. And some of the numbers in this game were unbelievable, which you can you can get to. But the Buccaneers got the job done against the Southwest Slammers, eighty-two to forty-six. Yeah, and um, had a sort of comment from our long-time listener Prev Chandran, who was at this game. Um, he said that you know it appeared like it was uh, men men playing boys in this game. And I think when you look at the the rebounding stats there, sixty-five to twenty-four, mm. just shows a complete dominance. And the Slammers, a one of twenty-eight game from yeah. a three-point line, is almost unheard of. Although we had seen them do that earlier in the season oh, against yeah. uh, Lakeside, and then come roaring back. But yeah, look, a, a tough one up there for those boys traveling up there, and um, uh, a Bucks team fighting for pride on their home court. Probably never going to be easy for them. No, it wasn't. Much closer in the game you were involved at down in Mandurah and your Calamari and Sons got the got the win, 79 over the Magic 77. Yeah, a really strange one for us. Um, we got to the got to the game and um, Mark walked back after signing off on the starters and Josh Hunt and Tom Atkinson both um, removed from the starting five. Mm-hmm. Not sure what the reasons why for that happening. Um, there was a few rumours flying around, but nothing was really mentioned to us before or after the game. And you know, young Parker comes out and, and hits seven three pointers on us, yeah. which again those those uh, opportunities that uh, are being afforded to people. And I think we sort of saw how important someone like Logan Viscovich was for us, giving sure. us that sort of third scorer, ability to create his own shot. And Nate Drown, um, once again, came through in the clutch for us and hit a three right on the, the end there to put us up by by two and, and ice the game for us in, in what we would have expected to be a hard-fought game all the way through. So a uh, nice way to finish for, for our boys, um, getting a win in that last one and fruits for all their, their hard work um, throughout the season. And Mandra sort of left to sort of think about what they're doing for next year and, and how they're going to rebuild and continue sort of the good work that Traher's been doing down there with them. A home game, pretty much, for your head coach as well. So I'm sure he enjoyed not having to make that big trip up the freeway for once. Yeah, uh, although he does spend a lot of time. Though, that's where he does make a lot of his phone calls and all that sort of stuff in the car. So, um, But yeah, uh, an easy trip home for Mark after that one. Mm. Now, Warri- unfortunately for the Rockingham Flames, Willerton winning on Friday night meant they could make the finals going into this game. But 
they, they probably still felt they played reasonably well, but the Warwick Senators are just so powerful right now that the scoreboard still blew out a little bit. So the Senators got the job done to lock away, lock away top spot, 126 to 94. Yeah, and I think uh, an ominous sign there that, you know, Cody Ellis, you know, drops 30 points and yeah. has seven triples, uh, really finding his form there. Norm Manyang continues to impress um, in his time, and Ethan Elliott as well. Um, and then Jackson Hussey kind of probably cemented himself as the MVP favourite there with a, a great all-round game leading the way for the Flames. Yeah, I think so. The only slight concern for the Senators, I think, is Ash Lyric. Have you heard anything about his fitness ahead of the finals this weekend? I haven't, uh, although he's kind of been in and out all the way through. Ash has never really been a... Uh, one that's been big on conditioning, so whether or not that was just to manage him through that. Although I know in the minutes he played against us, there, there wasn't a heap, but he was definitely effective and provides a big target inside and a big body on the board. So you know, anyone that's sort of got a, a big that he's going to be matched up on, I'm, I'm sure literally could be able to give you sort of 15 to 20 minutes um, given the you know where the season's at and what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I'm sure Dave Daniels will be very interested to find out if he's playing because I think if he doesn't play, potentially Vigor and Ferguson could have big nights on Friday for the Lightning, but that's that's for another discussion later on. Speaking of Lakeside, as I said at the start of the show, they had to beat the Perth Redbacks by 15 points to make the finals, and they beat the Redbacks by 15 points, 84 to 69. It's, it's just a remarkable, remarkable way that it all panned out. Yeah, as we sort of said all along, well, you know, Lakeside essentially the only team with two imports playing, throwing Vigor, Eisenbarger, and, um, you know, and that's Ferguson. a very, very good starting five. And then Ferguson as well. You know, that's um, that that's a very, very good team. And probably if they had have played that team all the way through, um, especially when they had the, the two young boys back from college playing, um, they probably would have got a few more wins early and perhaps would have been sitting a bit high on the ladder. So, look, I, I think they're probably the sleeping giant in the finals, whether or not they've had enough time together. Um, is going to sort of probably determine how far they go. Interesting game up in Kalgoorlie as well. Two teams that could make the finals, but who have both played some really exciting basketball at times during the West Coast Classic. But the Goldfields Giants, with the Twin Towers again leading the way, they were too strong, 96-79. to Yeah, imagine Mayo from um, from the moment this competition started to the, to the final game have dominated... Um, the Twin Towers have really sort of cemented themselves into that Kalgoorlie culture up there. I think Creaky's done a, an amazing job. Um, and if they can put the right people around them for next year, they're definitely going to make some noise in the final. And, you know, as we see there, Shaq, Shaq goes out and, and does his job. Interesting to see Jaden Coburn comes back mm. in for, for one game at the end of the season. Whether or not he's sticking around for next yeah. year will be, be interesting to see for the, for the Eagles. But, yeah, the Giants just too big and, and too strong inside. Now, the other game that was the elimination game, for a final spot at HBF Arena, as we spoke a bit, bit about it earlier on. The June Light Wolves, 97, clung to the to the win over the Wilderton Tigers, 95. Yeah, and the old firm there just coming through. Huntington, Maxwell, Lidiatis and, and Salinas, you know, delivering. Um, Lockie Cummings sort of providing that that support that he's done, doing his job that he's done all the, all the way through. And I guess just that experience, just a little bit too much for the, for the Tigers in the end coming up short by you know a couple of points there as, we, as we've spoken about now the last game to look at Harry Lakes Hawks tuned up for the finals and locked away their, their second position just too much firepower in the end for the Coburn Cougars down at Wally Hagen they got the win 112 to 82 
yeah, again, uh, quality outfit there. Just the, the Hawks just continually getting performances from different people each week. No one really standing out, just everyone doing their job and playing some really good Hawks-style basketball. And again, they'll be very, very tough given their balance and uh, a team with Ben Perso. Um, he's always going to fight tooth and nail to the end. So, yeah, the Hawks have uh, had, a, had a good one this season and would be hard-pressed, I think, not to be there uh, on the final Sunday. Yeah, I think so too. Now, that wraps up Round 9 in the West Coast Classic. Later on in the show, after we speak to Dave Daniels, Ben, we'll run a report card over the teams that didn't make the final. So I'll just I'll run through the top four now and how they finished up. So the Warwick Senators are 12-1, and one, the Perry Lakes Hawks 11-2, and two, the Joondalup Wolves 9-4, and, and the Lakeside Lightning... Nine and four. Two questions. Do you feel like we got the right top four? And secondly, do you feel like there has been a bit of a gap between the Senators and the Hawks and, and the rest in this competition? I think what we've seen is just that consistency in their lineups. Uh, there hasn't been that much of a change yeah. um, in either of the Senators or the Hawks. I mean, I know Corbin Rowe got injured and he was sort of out for, for the majority, but um, Ethan Elliott sort of stepped in and, and played that role. And I think those two teams have probably remained the most balanced, no major parts missing. If you look at the Wolves with uh, Lee Roberts sort of dropping out, they had that little lull in the middle there. And then Lakeside with that carousel of guys coming in and out and, and leaving and, and the rotation of Ferguson and Vigor probably led them not to be as consistent. And again, the Redbacks are uh, probably unfortunate, though that early season, um, as we spoke about, new coach, a couple of new players, probably hurt them early um, mm-hmm. and the Tigers probably again another team that that consistency they had have, have overachieved so yeah I think the top four is about where it should be uh, whether that order is, is is correct but yeah those are definitely the you know the top four teams we've probably seen in the last few years as well yeah I think so too okay so that wraps up the regular season in the West Coast Classic after this we'll be speaking to the Lakeside Lightning head coach and the Canadian Olympic game representative Dave Daniels Great pleasure now for us, Ben, to welcome our guest for this week. And in a lot of ways, he's a man that's been 19 episodes in the making to come on SBL Street Around. We've been wanting to to speak to him all season long, and it's fantastic to have him on now. Ahead of the finals in the West Coast Classic, which he'll be part of with his Lakeside Lightning team, where he's already been named a two-time SBL Coach of the Year, and he's only two seasons down in his SBL coaching career, but... What a basketball journey he's had before that, including playing for Canada at the World Championships and at the Sydney Olympic Games alongside Steve Nash, which I'm looking forward to asking him about. But he's had an amazing journey with Athletes in Action, coaching throughout Canada and the United States, and now bringing himself out to Australia with his family, where even his 16-year-old daughter is now starring with the Lakeside Lightning. And they have all settled into Australia very quickly. Year in, in in Australia, I know your your family and yourself are really settled at Lakeside. Does it almost feel like a second home now, even though yeah. <laughs> it's still pretty relatively early in the in the journey? Yeah, yeah, it really does. I know that I've shared with you before. I I had the privilege of coming over coming over here with Athletes in Action. Goodness, almost twenty five years ago, I guess. Uh, before Lakeside even had a team, they had the facility, but no SBL team. And uh, so I had a good good experience. 
again and, and, and raise my family and, and you know essentially forge a career for myself as a, as a basketball coach yeah you know great question not not at that point I was still still playing a lot and my dream was to continue to play professionally and and so I came out with athletes in action team we played played uh, several NBL teams played the Wildcats and then I think we played the SBL All-Star team as well. Uh, so I wanted to come back as, as, a, as a player, not a coach. I right. uh, didn't get that opportunity. And then it's just kind of interesting, I think, how God works to be to get a call from Anthony Palmieri, who played on a championship team here at Lakeside and is now the pastor at, at a Lakeside Baptist Church that owns that owns the Lightning. And, and when he gave me a call, actually four years ago, five years ago, uh, and I had been coaching for 10 years in the States, coaching Division II college basketball and had kind of just gotten burnt out and had stepped away from coaching. Uh, and so when, when he called, then it definitely started the started the wheels turning about potentially being here. And then and then the door opened up almost three years ago uh, to come out. And, and it's like I say, it's it's been it's been a real blessing. And you know, when he makes that call, were you were you aware of kind of, as you said, Lakeside had gone from a team that uh, probably at that time when you came out, they I think they had an under-20s team playing under the Wilton banner because they didn't have Wobble to, to the success that they'd had um, under Andy and, and, you know, where you were sort of heading to. Farwell has been connected with, with Andy and with Lakeside throughout the way with helping him, helping provide imports and those connections. And so I kind of stayed connected through him. He's one of my best best mates, um, but had lost contact of, of all the other and was kind of pursuing my career as a coach. Um, but just when I talked with Anthony and then and then Steve, uh, Steve Bazan, it was just really clear that kind of my philosophy of coaching and my purpose for coaching really aligned well with what Lakeside was doing. And, and again, you never you never know for sure how it's going to go as far as wins and loss but um but just knew that it was going to be full uh, philosophically a great fit and, and calling wise a really good fit so that was the main thing and um you know then we, we've been able to win a few games along the way which is always which is always yeah. a bonus yeah and what what have you enjoyed the most in in coming out as far as from the basketball side i know you yeah. love the lifestyle and then what's been yeah. the biggest difference or the biggest challenge that you've had Great question. I think the thing that I, I love the most is um, the. It's a really good balance here. One of the reasons that I quit coaching in the states is I, I just was so competitive. Yeah. Uh, that just was nonstop, and I'm sure you know what I mean as a coach. That it's yeah. It's just 24 seven. It never leaves your mind. You're always trying to figure out what you can do better and what you can improve in. And and what I found here is it's a very competitive league. There's good players. There's good coaches. But at the end of the day, it's it's not. Uh, you know what do they say here? You're not playing for sheep station. So it's not. It's not <laughs> life or death. Like you. Yeah. you want to compete uh and so i have just it's been really good for me to find that balance i'm super competitive i love to do film and and training but it's only it's that was one of the things that was the most difficult is only training twice a week yes so in college you're training you know you're only supposed to train 20 but you definitely find ways around that 20 hours a week uh where it's you know six days and and to come down to to two and usually oftentimes only get an hour and a half (laughs) to two hours has been a real adjustment, but I think it's helped in just in changing expectations and simplifying things. And uh, to be honest, having uh, Jared Pru uh, as my captain and and as as a friend has been huge in that because he's he's a guy that epitomizes that. I mean, when the lights come on and the ball goes up, he's a complete animal. He just is a is an unbelievable competitor. But he he's a guy that can when you step away from it, it's uh it's he understands that it is just a game. Um, and so I think 
that culture overall and Jared and, and, and Anthony and understanding of the leadership at, at Lakeside has helped me find a real sweet spot balance in that. And I think that's what's one of the things that's made it the coaching part of it really, really fun. Every time yeah, I no, speak to you, Dave, you've got a new Aussie saying that you're you're happy to, to talk about. There's a couple <laughs> you mentioned to me after the game on, on Saturday night. You just used the sheep stations one there. Um, yeah. How much are you enjoying the Australian lifestyle? Have you, have you and your family just thrown yourself fully into it? It's, it's been fantastic. You know, one of the things I've been blessed, and my wife as well with Athletes in Action, is we've had a chance to travel all around the world. I think I've been to 26 different countries, and and wanting our, our kids haven't experienced that. And so the the opportunity to have them in another culture um, or, or halfway around the world was just uh, was something that we really wanted to experience. So we when we first committed, it was a, it was a two year commitment to come over. Um, but I think it's a combination. Australia, I can't think of a much better place to live. And then in Perth, uh, you know, but the, the community that we found at Lakeside, the guys on the team, um, the schools that we found uh, here have just been, it's been real, it's been, it's been fantastic. And not just, not just for me, you know, I have a wife and uh, a 16, a 13, 11 year old daughter, and they've all loved it. All they're all playing wobble and domestic, and so it's it's a little yeah. bit full on, but uh, but we're we're loving it. Well, you're on. probably finding. Sorry, I was going to say you're probably finding that that competitiveness. I know for me, my little boys just starting to play sport now, and the the not having to be uh, a head coach this year has just been amazing for me to be able to go and spend that yeah. time watching yeah. him do stuff. And that, as much as I try not to let my competitiveness come out into what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he finished finished fourth in his inter schools, and again I'm sitting on the sideline going, "Oh, why can't you run faster?" But yeah, at the end of the race, it's give me a big hug. I'm so proud, and, exactly. and that's probably where you get to channel your your inner inner competitiveness is is through your kids. So oh, man. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's been, it's been great. Yeah, my yeah. this uh, my my oldest daughter, because of the the COVID thing and not having imports, has gotten to play quite a bit with uh, with our SBL team here at Lightning. Oh, and uh, it's just been really cool. It's been a great blessing for her to, to be able to do that. And like you say, this is a proud parent to sit there yeah. and watch her hard work pay off. And it's really, really neat. Yeah. How do you look back on the last two seasons? You, you've had such, you've had two really hard luck stories in, in both of them. The first one you had the, the injury to, to, to Jack, obviously. And then yeah. last year you lose, you lose Kyle in the, in game two of the semifinals against the the Bucks, and then you end up losing that game three on your home floor without him. Um, do you let things like thinking about the bad luck creep into your thoughts, or, or you know, do you? How do you look back on the last last two seasons where you you really just went so close to getting to that grand yeah. final? Yeah, great, great question. Yeah, it's it's been unfortunate, but you know, everybody that's part of that's why it's so hard to win. It's mm. not easy to win a championship because there's so many factors, and you know, especially when it comes down to one game there or one series. And um, you know, I, I'm really proud of the way the guys played. I thought we were really hot my first year when Jack got hurt. Thought we were playing, you know, one of the top teams and had a chance. And and then when he went down, that was a pretty significant significant blow. And then and then last year. Um, you know, I don't know. Obviously, who knows what would happen in the grand final? But I think we were with him. We were at least one of the top two teams. Um, and so I, I think that's been part of my growth, to be honest, as a as a coach. I, you know, I'm asking my players to always grow and learn, and and I need to look in the mirror and do that. And I think that's one area that 
that uh, that I've really grown being here at Lakeside and being in in Australia is being able to focus on the process and not and not just the wins and losses. Um, and so we've had two incredible years uh, on and off the court. And obviously, there's only one team that's celebrating <laughs> that last yeah. game. And so, but it doesn't mean that doesn't have to dictate if we've had a great year or not. Oh. And and so, you know, I look, I'm, yeah, would I have liked to won? Absolutely. <laughs> I would have, it would have been fun to have a couple. Um, but overall, I couldn't be prouder of, of our guys and, and the experience has just been fantastic overall. And what's been the biggest uh, biggest challenge you sort of faced in the in the West Coast Classic? In, was it in your preparation being disjointed, or uh, I know you've sort of managed your your load there with your with your playing or and guys yeah. coming in and out? Like, you know, what's uh, how have you found it, and what's been your yeah, your biggest challenge, and I guess probably your biggest success of the of the tournament? Yeah, they've probably been. That's a great question, man. They're probably connected. The two of them, the biggest challenge and the biggest up is is getting young players opportunities to play so we just kind of went back through our numbers my coaching staff and i and we qualified 15 players for the finals yep. which is pretty cool and we had all 15 of those guys got double digit minutes in at least one game and so so it's we got a lot of guys um experience and on the floor and so I think that that was definitely the the upside. Uh, that was also the difficult thing as a coach because you're having to to get uh, to get much synergy and consistency when you're playing yeah. that many different guys. Yeah. Uh, one of the tough ones we made a decision early um, with Andrew Ferguson, who's a very good play, good young player. He's you know DP and now with with the Wildcats. And I had to sit down with him early, and because we're investing a lot in Josh Davey, he was I think the really good yep. young player. And I just said, I'm. I only want to um, have you play every other game because I, I want Josh to get to get those minutes. And so that that's always tough as a coach, as you can imagine. When you want to win, you're competitive. But I think setting down and defining what winning really is and what success is. And so try, I think that's been the difficult part is maintaining building for the future and winning for not just next, next year, but the years ahead. Yeah. And also yep. trying to win. Cause I want to win. Like I told the guys, I, I wanted to win on Saturday <laughs> when we played the Redbacks. I want to win Friday. Like it, to me, it doesn't matter. If, like when I, when I go out there, it doesn't matter if it's the SBL or the WCC or whatever, whatever letters you put in front of it, I'm a competitor. And if we're going to keep score, I would just assume win. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> and so I think finding that balance um, has been, you know, so we we're finally getting Vigor and uh, and Ferg are playing together. If yep. you, they haven't practiced. We haven't had one training with them in six weeks together. And so that, as a coach, you know, Ben, as a coach that, that you know that that's where you get better is in training. Exactly. To not be yep. able to do that has been <laughs> – Few, pull a few hairs out but again coming back to this is what we're doing we're developing and uh and so i think keeping perspective and keeping my um what's the word my expectations in the right place as long as i can do that i'm good but when my expectations get out of whack then then uh, <laughs> that that adds a few challenges for sure yeah. Now, uh, earlier in the year, I think when we played you, um, you, we had a chat before the game, and you said you're you're upset that you didn't get, you were trying to get fifty three pointers up in in a game, and against us yeah. you got forty nine, so we we managed to hold you in that one. But then, yeah, yeah. Again, a, a couple of weeks later, I think it was like sixty one. Is that like, 
is that the style of play you want to play, or is that just we just want to see how many we can get up in a game? And and uh, you know, we, yeah, that, <laughs> that's a style. I, I really believe. You know, we have a they have the guys kind of make fun of me around our place. We say threes are worth more than two. And, uh, <laughs> yep, it's pretty 100%. pretty straightforward, but they they are and. And so we, I think that's the way that we want to play. I, unfortunately, the game that we got 61 up, I think we only hit 10 or something. It's only effective when you, you know, when you hit shots. But, um, no, we, we want to play that way. We, we want to develop. We spend a ton of time in training shooting the ball, and, and we want to really spread the defense out and, and, uh, and be able to make plays for one another, drive kick, and, and hit shots. So we're – we're intentional about it. I, I want to get the right shots. It's not, it's not just a matter of how many we get up. Yep. But I do think if we can get 50s a little bit stretched, but if we can get, you know, somewhere around 40 and shoot the ball well, then, um, you know, then I think it's it, it's in our favor. It's a little, a little easier to say that when you have Jared Drew playing. He, well, that's easy. Gonna he generates those extra, extra 10 or 15 but... possessions. That's, uh, yeah. I was joking with him the other day, the way we shot the ball this year, he'd average 40 rebounds a game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, now, before you came to Lakeside, Dave, you've had an amazing life in, in basketball. Um, We've spoken to a couple of Australian Olympians on this show, Andrew Vlahov and, and Mark Worthington. How, yeah. How proud are you of being able to represent Canada at the Olympics like you did back in 2000? Yeah, you know, it's something that I'm, I can't hardly believe it now. As old and fat as I am, it's hard to believe that it actually happened. But uh, Vlahov and I were joking about it the other day because I had a chance to play against him and then actually coached against Worthington. He played it at Metro State when I was coaching the Colorado Christians. So we had a good chat the other day as well. Um, Yeah, I was, you know, I was something I dreamt about since I was a little kid. And uh, I joked that I cheated a little bit because I I was actually born in Canada and uh, and went back up there. It's a little easier to make the Canadian Olympic team than it is is the U.S. team. (laughs) Right. Although it was a little challenging because Steve Nash was the point guard. So I just had to be – just had to be the second best in the country, um, <laughs> and uh, so that it was—it's a you know—it was a great honor and and something I I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity to do. And as we look towards um towards Friday night, like uh, what's your what's your preparation for for you going into a game? You probably don't have as much uh, as much film to watch of, of the Senators, although I know you can get access to to all games. You you played once. Already this season, uh, but not at full strength. I would, I would dare to say. Um, you know, what are, what's your preparation like for for you heading into that game? You know, it's been really fun. I, I've been kind of. I know different coaches have taken different perspectives here with the WCC, but I've really backed off on that. I've tried to limit that and have trainings be a little bit more fun, more scrimmaging. And um, but this week, I went back into uh, into full prep mode, <laughs> full yep. prep mode, and and which I think is a huge part of building for 2021. Yep. is being able to put a game plan together and and then see if the guys can 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 carry it out and so uh, hopefully we'll be, it'll be a little bit different they beat us by 27 a week ago so hopefully it'll be a little different yeah. uh different outcome but we you know they, they shot the ball really well we didn't uh vigor didn't play jack played nine minutes i think and he got in foul trouble and fouled out and so right. did so did jay so i think it'll be you know it'll be hopefully a little bit different and they have a really good team they they, I, I believe, and Ben, you'd know that. I think that team's a playoff team. If it was the SBL, if everyone had, oh, yeah. 
Most definitely. Had, yep. had their import. Like, I think they're a top four team any year. Um, yep. They're well coached. They play hard. They've been playing together for a few years. Um, sim- similar to your t- similar to your teams. I mean that any year that those teams they play together. They're well coached. They play together. They know what they're doing. Um, and so I think it's going to be a, a real challenge for us, but one that we're uh, I'm ex- I'm excited about it. Just to still yeah, be no. playing is a good thing. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I, I said to to Chris earlier that I expected uh, the nets to be changed at half time, but given the <laughs> amount of threes that both teams shoot and, and the clip that you shoot at, but again, through the matchups, you just look at the matchups all the way through. You know, you, Caleb Davis and, and Michael Vigor is a is an amazing matchup at that that, yeah. that spot. Um, Eisenbarger, and if it's if it's Corbin Rowe, that that's a great matchup. Jay Bowie and and Justin King, there's another great matchup. So all all through the lines, it's uh, you know it's it's, it's 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 a lot closer. I think it would be a lot. Closer than that 27 as it was the other week, just given the the situations that that you guys are in. So um, yeah, yeah, expecting it to be a, sure be a quality so. one. I hope I hope it's a, I hope it's a good one. And you know, as we're building, like obviously we want to win, but I think being in the and that it turned out that last week ended up being a playoff game for us as well because we had to win. Yep. And that was one of the things that I laid down as a goal for our team at the beginning is I want to get some what I call relative experience. I want to get a playoff game this year. And so, thankfully, we did. Now we got an opportunity yes. for another one yep. against a team that, on paper, I would say is a little better than us, if I was honest. Um, and so, I think that's a great situation to go in, and where every every possession matters on both ends of the floor, and we have a chance to test ourselves against a really good team. So, it's a it's a good opportunity. One thing I wanted to ask you, Dave, um, about when you arrived three years ago, um, a lot of the talk you would have heard about the SBL was that. June Love was the the powerhouse club, the team to beat, and I think probably the best coach in the league was Ben Etridge. Um, what was he like to coach against for the last two years, and what's it what's it now like to catch up with him on a on a podcast? Yeah, I'm glad he's not coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. No, you know when you when you uh, when you scout another team and you, you can see who can coach and who who is maybe wrestling through some things. And one of the things is you can tell when a, when a team knows what they want to do, um, you know, you can tell that they're well coached. And, and I would say that's, you know, with Ben's teams, with the Wolves, it, it was an accident that for literally 10 years they were in the top two or three. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're on the same page. They're well coached and, and they know what they're trying to do. And the guys play together. They compete. Um, and so that was a that was about. I think I, I think you finally let me win one game last year, which was <laughs> which was which yeah, was you nice. Got home, I think. <laughs> but uh, no, it's you know he's done a fantastic job. There's some there's some good coaches in this league. Yep. There's good coaches and good players. It's much better than the um, I would say the the talent level and the coaches are better than 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 what you would I think than what you would think with it being a state league in my opinion and i've been able to travel quite a bit i've played with the national team around the world and traveled a lot with athletes in action and played professional teams in other countries and this is a good league it's Mm -hmm. a good league with good coaches and good players and so it's it is better than what i thought i didn't know for sure what to expect coming in um but it's uh you know and ben could attest to this when when you coach against good coaches they're able to make adjustments and and, and be able to attack your weaknesses. And um, and I've coached against coaches that, that don't do that well. But, um, you know, especially when you look at most of the coaches are just doing a part-time. They've got another mm-hmm. full-time job. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive, I think, the, 
from that perspective. So, uh, Ben, don't be in a hurry to take another job, take another year <laughs> off, and take, watch your son play uh, a couple more years. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, no, 100%, I agree, hundred percent, mate. It's been, um, it was, it was very good, as I, I sort of said earlier as well before we came on that um, you sort of brought a not a fresh, fresh breath of fresh air to the league, but just a, a, a level of preparation and a level of professionalism on and off the court. And um, Lakeside's always, you know, always been a, a fast-paced team, but um, yeah, yeah, again, you, you, when you sit down and, and start to break it down there are some little things that are that are happening that um i like because we tend to fall in australia fall into that cookie cutter that we all have to coach the the way that the boomers want you to play and everyone's trying to in that boomers pathway so they're trying to run yeah. all the same stuff so so that when they go to a state tournament or an adc camp it's so oh, look at me i'm doing exactly what you want so to have someone yeah. come in that's got a bunch it's, it's still the same game but you're just you know doing it a different way or there's a couple of different little things um it makes the game more interesting and, and for us as coaches that's what we want we want to be challenged and we want to be going against guys that are thinking their way through the game as i would say so it's um yeah has been uh has been great to to have yourself come in and and you know put it put into our league and and as you say treat it as professional as you can because um you know, it's the best we've got over here at the moment yeah yeah well thank you very much for that it's again that's that's definitely mutual to be able to to you know when that that's how you get better <laughs> you know as a player yep. the only yep. way to get better is to play against really good players and and I for sure improved as a coach over here, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. And and uh, no, it's it's uh, it's a blessing. We're we're in a situation we've we've committed to be here one more year for sure. Excellent, um, excellent. And then we've got to work through <laughs> work through. Uh, I can't imagine ever leaving at this point. We just we, <laughs> like it's not even our second home. It's become you know just a, um, yeah. a place that we love, people that we love. I love the guys on my team, and and uh, you know the and and you know this both of you, when you're in a place where you really respect and trust the people over you that are in leadership, man, it's, that's hard to find. Yeah. And you're, not really going, you're not going to work anymore. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's not a job. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and people that, you know, that, that challenge you, but also have, you know, you're completely know they have your back and, and you're in it together. I mean, that's what, that's what make life, you know, life worth living and, and things worth doing. And so that's, that's that's just been a huge blessing here, at Lakeside and in 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 Perth for sure. Just just one more quick one from me, Dave. Um, speaking of Steve Nash and coaches, um, twenty years on from when you were his teammate at the Olympics, he's now yeah. going to have a crack at coaching in the NBA at the at the Brooklyn Nets. How do you how do you see him going? And did you see him as a think, potential coach back back then? Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, I need to get a hold of him. maybe, maybe that maybe that'll be my next gig. <laughs> Uh, go be the manager there or something. No, I think he'll do great. He's he's got an incredible way with people. Um, I think especially where the game is going in the NBA, where you have to be a kind of more of a player's coach. That's definitely his personality. He's he's a guy that's always sees the glass half full. Um, super positive. Has a great feel for the game. Uh, you know, it's all, it's always interesting how not every great player is a great coach. So it'll be interesting. But I I would sure think he'd be successful just with his his demeanor. Super respectful. Everybody in our team loved him. Like he's just an incredible teammate. You know, even when you think back to when he got his his MVP award, he had the whole team up on the stage with him. Like that's just a kind of he's the kind of guy that builds community and and will build ownership. And I think he'll be really well received. And he's got a couple of good players there, so that you, you know yeah, that always helps. All of a sudden, you be, I, I'm a much better coach Friday because Bigger's playing. It's amazing how I get better in a few days. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he'll do really well.
All right, all right, Dave. I think we'll start wrapping it up. Ben, have you got one more question to throw Dave's way before we let him go? Yeah, look, I, I guess just for me is, um, you know, yeah, what are your final thoughts? Uh, you're the only coach I think we're going to talk to before the, the, the finals. Like, what would it what would it mean to you to, to actually win a, a West Coast Classic? Yeah, well, it, it'd be fantastic. You know, again, I'm just so thankful. Even probably should give a shout-out to BWA. I think it's great that they were able to put this on. I mean, other than that, that other little league called the NBA, I think we're one of the only people playing in the world. So just super thankful. I think it's been fantastic for our younger players. You know, I, I just think it's been great. And, you know, again, like I said, it, it doesn't matter to me if it's called the WCC or the SBL or whatever. We want to go out and compete. You know, there's a there's a Bible passage that kind of is a, is a big one to me. It says, whatever you do, do with all your heart as under the Lord. And so that's what we want to do. We want to come out and play. And regardless of what the score is, we want to give 100% and, and really compete. So I will definitely be celebrating. I, I haven't, I smiled for two days straight after we snuck in by one point, <laughs> by one point last Saturday. So no, I think it's, I think it's big for our young guys to get that. You know how it is, Ben, when you get that first kind of playoff single elimination game under your belt. And win or lose, it's a it's a positive. And so, you know, we, we definitely want to compete and go after it. And we definitely won't be saying, ah, it didn't matter to us. It's a WCC. No, we want to we want to go out there and compete. And and uh, one of my good friends said, somebody's got to win. It might as well be us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Say, no, that's kind of how I feel. I think you you hit the nail on the head too. Like the, this this tournament has afforded us a lot of those situations where different guys have been able to be put into these situations, you know, that they're not normally finding themselves in and to, like you say, have to have to a win or go home game last weekend and a win or go home game on Friday. That's normally not where our kids and our coaches are finding themselves. Yeah. So again, for I've said it a lot for a long time. I would love to see this format stick around. Yeah, um, it's good stuff. We, we spend a lot of time practicing. We spend... Over six months of the year, or six months of the year, practicing yeah. for 20 games or 26 games, yeah. it just seems to be it's, it's a bit backwards. We need to be playing more and having these sorts of opportunities. So, yeah, mate, yeah. wish you all the best. Thank I think, you. Uh, you, you know, again, you've everyone's had to go through a lot to get to this point. But yeah, I think it's uh, you know would would cap off a, a good season for you guys if you can come up with a win on um, on Friday and then back it up on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it and, and how you're uh, continuing to push basketball here and make it better. Thank you so much. No, thanks very much for joining us, Dave. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you over the last three years. I think you've been great for the league with what you've brought to the Lakeside. You know, I'm glad to hear you're staying next year. I hope you stay a lot longer than that. And yeah, thanks very much for joining us here on SBL Shootaround and good luck Friday night and Sunday night. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you guys. Thanks again. Okay, big thank you to Dave Daniels there for joining us on SBL Shootaround. And it's always fascinating to hear two guys that have gone head-to-head as head coach speak to one another. So I hope everybody enjoyed that discussion. Now it's time to to put your analyst hat back on, Ben. And we'll take a look at how the teams performed but didn't quite make the finals in the West Coast Classic in 2020. Let's start with the Perth Redbacks, who for most of the competition they were in the top in the top four. This time last week, they were in third position. All they had to do was not lose by 14 points on on Saturday night, and they'd be playing finals. So I think that would be disappointing to not be playing finals. But overall, how would you sum up their season, and what grade would you give it? Look, I'm going to give the, the Redbacks and, and CJ Jackson in their first season a, a solid B. 
Um, I think they overcome some some early early issues at the start as CJ started to put his footprint uh, onto the team. And as we can see, their style of play towards the end was, was very different. The, the reason why sort of a, a B and not any higher is because it's going to come down to retention for me. Is, is Marshall Nelson and Caleb White going to be there next year? Caleb sort of fell into their... Their, their laps because of the, the COVID situation and then he didn't go home um, and Marshall Nelson was very similar. So did he get enough reps into those kids and, and has he done, done enough to retain those guys um, to sort of set them up for next year? And it's probably hard to imagine them losing the game on Saturday night by 15 points if Tevin Jackson played too. So sometimes it just comes down to, to some bad luck and a, an injury at the, at the wrong time. So yeah, I think a, a B grade looks pretty 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 good for the Redbacks. The Wilderton Tigers, I just... I don't want to influence your decision, but I couldn't have been more impressed with what Stephen Black did with the Tigers this year. To me, they're they're the unluckiest team to not be playing finals because I think, along with Perry Lakes and the Senders, they're the most consistent team all season. Aiden 5 doesn't quite sum up their season because all five of their games that they lost, um, a little bit of luck could have easily ended up seeing those games go their way. How did, how did you see the, the performance from the Tigers? Yeah, I'm probably going to see this a little bit different to you in, in the fact that I'm going to give them a, probably a, you know, a C, maybe a C plus. And the reason I'm giving them that is that the Tigers did what they've done for the last five years. They've nearly made finals or they've nearly made some noise in the finals. They haven't sort of progressed, although, you know, as you say, Damien Scott did a great job and Lewis Thomas did a great job and we know what he can do. But sort of really, other than Connor Minchinson, no one really put their hand up in that lineup and, and said that they're an SVL player. And that, to me, is where the Tigers could have perhaps gone this year, I given Travis, that they were... Travis Fee, pro- I think, could make a good case. Yeah, yeah. But again, he's not the first name off on my list. And, and I'm sure. not sitting here thinking he, he, he's done that. And it's more that just that performance. So the, the Tigers need to make a decision of what they're going to be. Are they always going to be in this spot where they're you know, the bottom half of the, the top eight or fighting for that final spot? And, and I sort of thought this is a really a real great opportunity for them to um, to get those reps into those kids and, and perhaps you know set themselves up uh, a lot better for, for where they want to go next year. So solid C, maybe a C plus for, for mm-hmm. the Tigers. Okay, the Goldfields Giants. We've, we've spoken a lot about how excited we've been about what Wayne Creek's been able to do. They ended up at 7-5. and five. They ended up being very good at home. They went 5-1 and one at home. They had a slow start on the road, obviously, but how do you how do you sum this season up? Yeah, again, I'm going to give them a B plus. I think another year with, with Wayne being able to um, you know, instill his culture and, and what it means to play for the for the Giants. And that nucleus that they've got up there is is great. Those five boys have done a, done a great job for them. Now becomes a, a man management task for, for Wayne as to are those guys going to be happy to maybe take a lesser role or get a little bit less of the limelight um, when two imports do come in and, and move those guys to the bench or move their roles around. So solid B, B plus, yeah, great season and uh, perhaps a couple of more wins on the road sets them up for, for a little bit more success. Mm. Rockingham Flames finish at seven and six. Very different side to what they would have had if this was the SBL. Obviously, they would have had two imports, including Josh Richard and a... And I think it was a guard that they'd signed who looked, was it Robert Heyer? I think he looked very exciting. Yeah, Rob Heyer. Greg Heyer as well. But to go seven and six, they were still an outside chance of playing finals coming into the last round. How did you see their season? Again, uh, a team that uh, probably could have invested a little bit more time to their, their kids. I know when they played us, it was uh, essentially Dern and Buff Godfrey and, and Hussey doing doing the, the heavy lifting. But again, this one is is more a personnel one. I'll, I'll give them a C plus, just given the fact that they did did do really well. 
um, really hard to gauge given you know three huge pieces for them weren't there and you know look it, it was probably uh, just a, a treading water season for them yeah. uh, they didn't really advance I didn't really see anything that I would say sets them up for next year again retention is a big one for them is Dernan sticking around is Hussey sticking around mm-hmm. so there's definitely going to be some changes on the cards for them um, so yeah sol- solid C plus tr- trod water for most of the season for the Flames yeah I think that's fair enough Coburn Cougars very interesting season they they were threatening to really make a make a run when Luke Travers and Gavin Field were starting to build their chemistry and then all of a sudden we never saw Luke Travers again over the last four or five weeks of the competition they spent some time without Jared Holmes and Sabre Chan which which hurt them but they did give up plenty of time to some some young kids so interested to see where you where you put them Look, I'll, I'll give uh, Coops a, a B- minus on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did do a very good job of bringing through a lot of his kids. Biggest tr- sort of thing he's going to have to contend with moving forward is the availability of Luke Travers. We saw you know, the Wildcats were very quick to pull him once he did sort of have that, that injury niggle there. Is that something he's going to have to contend with? And is he going to have to be able to build his team moving forward with you know, with the knowledge that he might not have Luke all the time. But look, uh, first time in the SBL, probably a really good one for him to have a free swing and try a few things. Was really impressed with you know, the young pole glaze and, um, and Chamberlain and how they came on and um, even Jared Holmes and Sabre Chan seemed to find a, a bit of a youthfulness in the, the way they were playing and the ever-consistent Gavin Field. They've definitely got a core down there they can build around. So yeah, it's all, solid B, B- minus for, for, for the Cougars this year. Geldon Buccaneers, very interesting Coming off the championship last year, they had a horror start and and you, you felt like they were just rocked once Liam Hunt went down injured and then Josh Hunt left for Europe at the, at the same time. They had to call in the troops and Matt Wandenberg helped settle them down. They they had their first six games on the road. They won one of them. Then they go back home and they split their home games three and three. They end up at four and eight. Um, how do you sum up their season? We're just going to give the the Bucks a C, essentially like the Flames. A completely different team from the start of the season to the end. The fact that they had to play the first half of the season on the road, and then the back end, we saw what they can do up home, which is probably a bit more consistent. I don't think they would be you know disappointed or with how this season went. Um, they managed to get through. They've they've managed to retain a, a couple of their young guys, and they have their sights firmly set on next year. So solid C. Didn't really go forward. Uh, Johnny Narkel was good for them in in, in patches, but yeah, solid C for the for the Bucks, and be looking for them to reload for next year. Tricky one for you to judge. Obviously, you know them better than the, any other club, but you're it's probably also difficult for you to give a grade to a club that you're working for. But see how you go. The Calamander Eastern Suns. You finished up at three and ten. Exactly the same conversation that we've had with the coaching staff. I'm going to give us a C plus. I think mm-hmm. uh, we did you know, do some things really well, and what we did get to see is how far off some of our guys are from being consistent SBL performers week in week out. The advantage we got is that you know maybe our third and fourth options got to be one one and two option, and we got to see how they reacted under pressure. And also you know a full complement of guys. I think we played seven debutants throughout the year. Full complement of guys got to see what it takes to, to play at the SBL level. And the feedback that we've given is, you know, that there's a lot of areas we need to improve in. So a solid C and, again, a very different team. You, you take out the two imports and a Lewis Timms, it, it does make a big difference to the lineup. So, yeah, look, m- more good than bad, but lots of things to work on for the, for the Suns. For sure. East Perth Eagles, also 3-10. A couple of really exciting close wins, some tight losses, some blowout losses. Interested to see your thoughts on this one. 
Yeah, uh, again, I'll, I'll give uh, Luke Coburn a massive amount of uh, props here and, and he did an amazing job and ably assisted by Chris Clausen. Never easy coming in and, and taking on an NSBL coaching gig and let alone, um, you know, sort of when it's sort of thrust upon you um, quite unexpectedly. So I thought Luke did an amazing job. Uh, the boys fought hard. Again, retention will be a big one for them. Uh, are they going to be able to retain players that sort of came in this year? I think they had sort of five or six guys come in from around other clubs and Shaq comes in as well just before the season starts. So, you know, over half the team uh, was new, uh, whether those guys stick around and they can retain those guys. So um, similar to us, probably a long way to go. Three wins probably doesn't really do the amount of work justice that they that they need to do. So I'll give them a solid C-plus as well, but an outstanding job there by Luke Coburn. Mm-hmm. Now, the Southwest Slammers, I would say you can make the argument that Mark Worthington had the least amount to work with as of any club in this competition. They came away with two wins. Mitch Callis ended himself as a player. Brody England, I think, took another step forward and then the rest of his squad were, were really just just mostly teenagers. Um, how, do you, how do you sum them up? Look, I'm going to give Mark a, a B plus. Again, similar to, to CJ, a new team. Took them a while to get a, get a handle on what he wants and just watching him go about it and, and how he talks to them and, and what he's demanding of them and more than anything, the coaching staff that he's been able to establish down there as well is only going to make these guys better and lots of upside, lots of good things happening down there and would have been very easy for him to, to walk away or, or say, no, I'm not going to do it. So massive amount of um, reward coming his way if he continues on, on this path. So B plus for the Slammers. Last up, the manager of Magic, 1-12. and 12. Obviously, they, they built a lot of their team around the two imports that Aaron Trujillo was going to have and also Jeremy Grace, that he was what he was going to provide and I guess also having Ricky Grace as part of his coaching staff. None of that ended up happening. They ended up with the one win. What did you make of them? These are the, the toughest teams to coach and I had a, a conversation with uh, someone last week about putting putting your best coaches with the, the teams that need them most and, and that's mm. kind of what we've got happening in, in the league if you look at Trujillo and and were they um, being at the helm of these two teams? And I think, again, you know, we saw them fight for 40 minutes against us and, and do some good things, and they've got a couple of good kids down there. Again, retention is going to be a big, big thing for them. Can they, can they keep Tom Atkinson after this season and, and Josh Hunt? And if they can, they've sort of got a couple of good guys that they can build around. So, yeah, solid B for, for Traher. And I think, you know, they're, they're on the right path. And the more he's around those sorts of kids is going to set the magic up for success in the future. Okay, good job. Uh, I can't really disagree with anything that you you did running the rule over those teams, and we'll come back next week and do the same for the top four teams as well to make sure that we have have every team covered in this West Coast Classic. Now let's keep moving, Ben, straight into our into our look at the finals this weekend, and very quickly to sum up our tip situation for the season. Taking taking in consideration last weekend where you took a couple of steps to try to close the gap a little bit more. Didn't quite pay off, and I've ended up 67 to 56, and probably it's probably about the gap that we had after round one. That round one ended up being the difference, as it turned out. Yeah, again, I probably should have paid a bit closer attention to uh, those round one matchups, <laughs> but it is what it is. And yeah, look, lots of fun, always, uh, always fun in those sort of tipping competitions. But uh, well done to you, showing your knowledge of the league is uh, is quite well versed, and 67 is uh, is quite a total to to amass over the course of the season. So well done. Thank you, but I think it's a lot of luck as well. So, but I'll, I'll take it now. Semi-final time in the West Coast Classic, both on Friday night. The first game for us to look at is at Warwick Stadium. The Warwick Senators are taking on the Lakeside Lightning, and 
boy, the way these two teams play, it's going to be an exciting game. Really looking forward to it. Do you give the Lightning any sort of chance? Yeah, well, look, in this one, I reckon they might need to change the nets at halftime. You've got the uh, the hottest shooting team in the league in the Senators just absolutely burning it up uh, from the three-point line. And, and Lakeside, who, as we've seen, aren't shy in getting it up. And mm-hmm. look, I, I think depth is going to play a big part and also just that continuity that the, the Senators have had. I know when they go to that second five, that, that team is actually, that, those boys have um, had a lot of time together and, and there's no real lull in how they approach the game. Whereas with Lakeside, when they do start to go to their bench, um, the matchups probably tip into the scales in the way of the Senators. So it's going to be a barn burner, going to be up and down. It's going to be frenetic. It's going to be three-point shooting galore. But I'll, I'll tip the Senators in this one, just given the fact that they're a little bit too deep and they've been the form team the, the whole way through. I agree. I think the Senators for me as well, just because they're in just such incredible form. And two weeks ago, they beat the Lightning by 27 points down at Lakeside. So it's a big job now for Lakeside to try to to turn that around. The second game. Now, these two are no strangers, as you know, to playing each other in in big games. Played off in the semifinals last year, the grand final the year before that at Bendat Basketball Centre, Perry Lakes Hawks and the Joondalup Wolves. Again, the, the consistency of the of the Hawks throughout the season and uh, the ability of that old firm up there at the Wolves is something that can't be underestimated as well. And my, my head says the Hawks and my heart says the Wolves. But again, I just think Perry Lakes have been too consistent and are a little bit too deep across the board. So Hawks in a, in a close one, as they usually are between these two teams, but nothing would make me happier to, to see the boys get up and, and compete for another one if, if they can do it. So, But yeah, Senators and Hawks are my two picks for this one. Yeah, I think Perry Lakes as well. But in a lot of ways, as you've touched on a couple of times, whether or not it's they do play on or not next year, for, it really is a last hurrah at the Wolves for Seb Salinas, Triani the Artist, Reese Maxwell and Rob Huntington, where they're going to be the real focal point of their team still this weekend because there's just not much beneath them. They'll, they'll be their starting four alongside Lockie Cummings. So they might still play on next year, but they'll have other recruits and other imports around them as well. So they might play a lot less of a role on the team. So for me, this is their last real crack at it for that four to, to do this. And and it, I just they're going to throw everything at it. It's going to be fascinating to see how they go on on Friday night. And I have to ask you this question, Ben, because I think I'll look silly if I don't. Would you be happy for the Wolves if they ended up making the grand final and and, and winning it? Um, I mean, you've been there for the last four years and and done such an amazing job but fallen short on grand final night. Would you be happy for them if you saw them saw them win on, on Sunday night? One hundred percent. my my love for those boys is is uh, undeniable. Uh, we've been through a lot more lot more things together than just um, playing games of basketball and, oh. and winning and losing games of basketball. So uh, for those guys to have the utmost success uh, would be would be very very selfish of me to feel anything but joy and happiness for them and um, like I said would love to see them get up and, and have a chance to 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 get back and and, and win one again so um, you know no no ifs ands or buts about it uh, would love to see them do it but I just think the Hawks are going to be a bit too strong in the end yeah very good so assuming we get the Senators and the Hawks in the grand final who do you tip in the grand final. I think the Senators will flip the result from earlier in the year. I think they've come a long way from that first first round matchup, and um, again, just the depth that they have and the ability they have to to um, to match up across all positions. Um, I think Justin King, um, Wani, and and Caleb Davis are a real tough cover, you know. And then Cody Ellis 
you know, on his night is as good as anyone in this league. That that matchup between Purser and him would be worth the price of admission alone. So, but I think the Senators have a bit too much firepower. They've they've gone after this one like they wanted to win a championship from day one, and I think you know, the the time is for there for them to uh, to hold up some silverware if there is some at the end of the season. I agree. I think the Senators are. It's theirs to lose right now, and I expect them to win twice this weekend to, to end up claiming whatever the prize is. We have no idea what the prize is, but hopefully, Adam Bowler, if you're listening, you've got something in store for, for the winner. So there we go. It's been a massive show, Ben. Big thank you to Dave Daniels for joining us. It was a lot of fun to 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 dissect the fascinating last weekend in the West Coast Classic, to have a look at the report cards of of the teams that didn't make the finals and to now have a look at the finals this weekend, of course, just to just as a reminder, get along if you can. Friday night, either Warwick Stadium for the Senators and the Lightning or, or sorry, Bendat Basketball Centre for the, the Hawks and the Wolves and, and then um, get to Bendat Basketball Centre on Sunday night for the grand final as well. Um, we'll come back next week and wrap it all up for 2020 and we'll know who the winners are and we'll come back with all our... Award winners as well, Ben. So plenty to look forward to again next week and we'll we'll have another special guest to, to wrap things up. But for now, I'm Chris Buck and I'll sign off. And Now, last week you made a pitch to be the commentary team with the grand final, Ben. And as it turns out, you can't make it. So let's see what you can come up, come up with now to, to end the show this week. Uh, yeah, look, you know, Forward planning has probably never been my strong point, but um, <laughs> look, looking forward to a, a, a final four weekend. We, we've we've seen this for you know the last forty odd years in the NCAA and, and how it's worked and the excitement that builds. And I think it's a it's a great format for our finals weekend. And and really looking forward to to three cracking games: the two semifinals on uh, Friday night, um, and then a, a barn burning grand final on on Sunday to crown the uh, inaugural winners of the West Coast Classic.